The most important thing in business is be the person that people want to work with. And I have done that in my surgery business, in, in the surgery world, and I have tried to apply some of those same principles within the real estate world. And, and I think it's funny the, the parallels because there are people that, there are certain surgeons, veterinary or human, are sort of notoriously can be hard to work with. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Jason Ballara. Jason is a real estate entrepreneur who used to be a full-time veterinary surgeon. Today, he is a real estate entrepreneur and business owner who took a step away from his full-time veterinary surgery to find a way to combine his two passions veterinary surgery and real estate investing. He is now a real estate investor and a business owner who owns his own veterinary surgery practice. We go through how he got started in real estate investing, when he knew and how he knew it was time to step away from his full-time veterinary surgery practice. We also discuss a pretty major setback that he had in his real estate investing career. It was a big one, and I think you'll agree with me once you uh, tune in and learn about it. We also discuss how he came back from that major setback, techniques, strategies, tools that he used to push forward and come back better and stronger from the experience. Great knowledge in this one. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, whether that's on your favorite podcast app or joining in on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, hit the notification bell, all those things that the YouTubers tell you to do. We look forward to seeing you on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. Once again, our guest today is Jason Ballara. Let's go. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to get your take, your experience. I had a great time being on your podcast recently. Happy to feature your experience on my show. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do and how you got into real estate investing? Yeah, for sure. And, and thank you for having me on, Taylor. It was a great conversation already, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. So my background is sort of a dual track, I guess, if you will. I'm a veterinary surgeon, but I have, and I've always wanted to be a veterinarian since being my childhood, but I also started in real estate as a teenager. So started on the construction side of things. I always knew I didn't grow up with much money. We always lived in apartments. So I always saw the value of ownership. I, I knew I wanted to own. And when you're young and, and don't have much money, owning means buying kind of the worst house that you can get, possibly get under, get someone to give you a loan on. And so that's what I did. And I sort of did that over and over again. And at one point I owned a, a triplex in Boston. That's where I'm from. And long story short, that sort of carried me through doing that sort of small level of investing on the residential side until, interestingly enough, 2020, basically I just sort of, we had finished renovating our own house and I was like, I need something to do. And I started to figure out, I started to look into how can I become more, or how can I invest more seriously? Went down the whole rabbit hole, listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, and ultimately settled upon multifamily syndication as being sort of what made the most sense to me for where my life was at that point. I had 
made some money through my job. I was doing, we're doing okay financially. So there was an opportunity I thought to be passive and also active, right? So I sort of did both at the beginning. I invested passively in other people's deals, but I also started that process to becoming an active syndicator and I started it with a mentorship and that kind of just kept going. I really liked the space, learned more and eventually got my first deal under contract in 20, under contract in 2021, closed at the end of 2021, actually closed two in December of 2021, and then closed a third in July of 2022. Obviously people know the market shifted then. So it's, things have slowed down a little bit and I've have not, oftentimes people are like, are you still doing surgery? I've not stopped doing surgery. I have just decreased the amount of time I'm spending on it. So I no longer work for anyone else. I have my own business in both spaces, I guess. Wow. So that's fantastic. And you got quite a lot done in this indication space in a relatively short period of time. But how do you think about balancing your time between those two businesses that you're in, multifamily syndication and, of course, your veterinary surgery practice? Yeah. So when I started getting into syndication, I also had a W-2 job. So I was doing, I had a W-2 job, working full-time, had my business on the side, which was truly just kind of a side hustle at that point. And then the real estate business was growing. So it reached a point in the spring of 2022 that I couldn't do it all anymore. Like it was just too much time. And so I decided, okay, well, what's the best thing to give up? And working for someone else was the best thing to give up. It was, it had reached a point where I knew I could balance those two businesses you know, sort of to, to support the finan family financially and also increase kind of our long-term outlook from a wealth perspective and time perspective, really, which ultimately was the driver and has been the driver behind Lark Capital because my son was born in 2019. My daughter was born in 2021. They are amazing, but I, like I want to spend time with them. And so being a surgeon, I can't do that outside of the OR, right? So there's no way I can do that at home. There is a way that I can be at home working on real estate and go in and have lunch with my kids or stop and have a little play date or whatever you want to call it sort of. So I, my shift in what I was looking for out of career went from money to time. The beauty of sort of what I'm doing now is I, I can actually balance it. And, and I think I've figured out a way to, to sort of do both in terms of time spent. I actually probably spend at this point more time on real estate than I do in surgery, but I'll tell you that is because I have built a various efficient surgery business. So the amount of time that I have to spend in the OR is pretty minimal compared to like, like my wife is a veterinary technician. She does all of the scheduling. She does most of the like client communications with the vet clinics. I have a technician, another technician that comes with me on surgery. She does the setup and the cleanup and all of this. So like, I'm literally just doing surgery. And so that allows me to be really efficient with my time where a W2 job in a specialty surgery or a specialty center, I'm dependent on sort of everybody else around me where I, I've been able to structure it the way I want to. Very cool. So great opportunity that you had to do that, or you, but you put yourself in that situation. As far as when you were getting ready to make that step away and you realized, okay, I need to make a change here, what point was your real estate in? I think when a lot of people want to make that step away, it's a big step into the unknown in many ways. And it represents a, it can be a big risk in that, okay, I really need to go do a deal to keep paying my bills. But it sounds like you weren't quite 
at that point? What did it look like kind of stepping into the unknown? I, I never intended it to be that soon. I, I knew that was eventually the goal, but I had that more of like maybe a five-year goal. And we were at about just over two into our capital at that point. So what it looked like was I knew I just couldn't do it all anymore, right? So it was, I essentially gave myself no option in the sense that there was just not enough time in the day. I was starting to feel like things were going to slip because I was just trying to do so much. And at the same time, like the real estate market was incredibly hot. And as I told you, like the last deal I closed was in July of 2022. I at the time had another one under contract. So it was for all intents and purposes, looked like everything was going really great in the real estate world. And it was, so it was less scary because it seemed like the runway was there and I had established myself. Little did I know Fed was going to raise interest rates more than they ever have in shorter time than they ever have. So I don't know if we'll talk about this, but certainly hit some challenges almost immediately after leaving my W-2 job. So yeah, it was kind of an, an interesting time in, in our lives and in, in my life. Wow. So the challenges, I would love to learn about those. And why don't you tell us about the challenges? But I think I really want to make sure we focus on how you dealt with the challenges themselves and got through them and the tools and strategies that you use. But tell us about the challenges first. Yeah. So like I said, we got this this other deal under contract end of May. So we were working towards the close on the deal that closed in early July, had the other one under contract. And so it, people that don't know, this is when interest rates started to go up. And it the first two, I think, were maybe a half a percent, but very quickly was escalating. And so as we're trying to work through closing this other deal, the interest rates are just going up and up. And so we, we were taking extensions, trying to work through it, figure out what was going on. Because of all of that, I had a significant portion of the capital that was supposed to come into the deal backed out. So there was a lot of fear in the space and like, understandably so. I don't like, I'm, this is not a, this is nobody's fault. It just happened. And so ultimately, long story short, that deal ended up falling out of contract because it no longer made sense at the interest rate by the time it was closing time because things had risen so much and the seller wasn't willing to reduce the purchase price. And unfortunately we had the the market then what was standard for the market was a hard money earnest or hard earnest money deposit. So I lost almost half a million dollars in deposit. Well, it was actually technically over half a million dollars. That was the earnest money deposit, but we had spent all the money on due diligence and stuff like that. So it was a large financial hit and in full transparency, like that was it. That was our, that was everything that we had kind of made or put into Lark Capital to create the business. So it was, we, it was a hard time, like sort of asked how I got through that. I, I'll tell you there, there's a, a couple things I can talk about it now without like feeling terrible, but it was, I felt very much like I had let everyone down, like my family, my, luckily no investors lost money. So this, there wasn't like that part of it, but you know, I felt like I'd left my, let my family down, my business partner, like anyone who knows, I, you know what I mean? You just sort of take this burden on as, oh, here, this thing happened. Maybe I'm not good at this. Like all the limiting beliefs come in, but we got stuck in a poor situation. So the way I got through it is I have been lucky enough to build a good support system, I guess. I don't know that I did it on purpose, but I definitely have always, that's kind of me. Like I, I, I've was actually just recently, I think, recording on someone else's podcast. And they were like, I, I said, to me, the most important thing is business in business is be the person that people want to work with. And I have done that in 
my surgery business in, in the surgery world. And I have tried to apply some of those same principles within the real estate world. And, and I think it's funny the the parallels because there are people that there are cert- surgeons, veterinary or human are sort of notoriously can be hard to work with. Like that's just a, a thing that gets said in the industry. And I have been told in my life as a surgeon, you don't yell enough. You're not going to get the things you want, blah, blah, blah. And that's just not me. It's never been me. It's never going to be me. It's not going to be me in real estate. So I guess if I had to point to something, being that person helped me a lot because while it was going on, mentors, people I had interviewed on the podcast, like I posted a little bit about it, like, oh, this really sucks. Like things are going, people were reaching out that I had literally only ever talked to on the podcast. Can I help? Is there anything I can do? People were trying to connect me to other capital sources. Like, I mean, people, it's a very supportive space, which is, which was, is really nice. People really tried. And, and I mean, ultimately like my wife didn't leave me. My kids still love me. My business partner was like, okay, this is business. Like we'll figure it out. Like, and so it was hard to go through that because it's hard to go through, but also like I had very much built it up in my space that like all these people are never going to talk to me like that kind of thing. (laughs) But then it was realizing that was, I had a, another mentor business coach, like he was there kind of worked through it with me. There was a lot of things. And and what we had to do was sort of shift focus for a little while. Like we got, I I hadn't been in this position since I was like in my twenties, but we needed to make money. Like we just literally just didn't have like all of a sudden worrying about bills again, which was like a crazy thing that had been not a thing for a very long time. And so we just had to work through that. And we did that by ramping up our surgery business and sort of, I guess, pivoting and and going back to your roots. Because as you mentioned, like some people get in that position of like, I have to do a deal. I have to do a deal because I need the fees. I need to, I have employees, that sort of thing. What did, I guess, a positive take home for me is I will never get into that position. I will never be at the point where we have to do deals to support the business because I don't want to, I don't want to do bad deals for that reason. I don't want to put investor money at risk for that reason. And I think that unfortunately happens sometimes people have to, they have to do deals. And so they might do a deal that, that wasn't an exceptional deal because of that. So I learned a lot from it. I try to make it a sort of hard learning lesson, I guess, and just pivot into how we, and it actually, what it did for me is it also helped me help shift my mindset and give me the idea for sort of what we're working on currently, which is getting ready to launch a fund. So there was some parallels there that sort of working through that opened up the doors or kind of shone a light on what was the next step. So that, that was, it wasn't fun. I can speak of it now as looking at the positives, but it was a a dark time for sure. For me, like it was thankfully, like I said, my wife didn't leave. My kids were still there and they don't care. So you you have to have that. That's why my podcast is called know your why it's like, you have to have a thing that is going to carry you through those things, those times. Cause I think as business owners and entrepreneurs, those things are going to come up. I don't even think that'll be the last time something like that happens. Like it's just, it was a tough time to to go through. Yeah, that's a rough one. The truth and the reality is that you are certainly not alone. A lot of folks had deals fall through at that time. We were selling a property at that time. The deal fell through largely due to those interest rate increases. And there were quite a lot of those that happened. So I'm sure it feels bad and, enough. And- you don't need to feel too bad about it. Right. And, and that was a kind of one, again, it's like people were like, oh yeah, I've had this happen. Like, or in, in like talking to, talking to different brokers and like, yeah, this deal is falling out of contract too. And, the, and it's like, 
like I said, everybody was very supportive about it, which is great. Doesn't <laughs> hurt losing that much money any, but it did, I guess maybe it helps with your confidence in the sense that like, okay, it wasn't just that I really screwed something up. Like it was just a, a difficult time in the market. It was an extremely fast transition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in this process of becoming or getting deeper into your real estate investing business and taking your vet surgery practice from the W2 space to kind of doing it on your own, having your own business there, I would expect that there have been some pretty big lessons in terms of being a business owner, whether it's hiring, delegating, building systems, things along those lines. You touched on a few of those a bit earlier, but I'd like to focus on any of the key entrepreneurship lessons you've learned within the real estate space that have helped you continue to grow and scale and stay sane and make up for that half million dollar loss? Well, you have a, a lot of really great books behind you and maybe it's just not in the picture, but I know one of my favorites that I've read, it's probably been a little over a year now, is Who Not How. And so the, I don't know if you've read it, but, or people listening have read it, but I mean, it, it's the title tells you what it's about, but I was very much like I said in the beginning, like I did a lot of single family residential type stuff throughout my life. Virtually all of it was DIY, right? Like I can build a house from the ground if I needed to. I know how to do those things. Like I, it's not the best use of my time, but like I know what's involved in that. And so it was a hard, the biggest, I think the biggest lesson is shifting that, that perspective, that sort of investing in team and trusting others and sort of but you've got to build the team. And, and I think maybe that's the most important part of sort of creating a, a good business, a well-run business, a, a business that's able to scale is to create the team. It's not about me. It's about kind of attracting talent and building those people around me. I think, well, there's the, Brandon Turner has talked, told this story before, but it's about when he read Vivid Vision. I've read Vivid Vision as well, but I actually like his story about it in that he wrote it all down and then described it to, to Ryan Murdoch. And Ryan was like, I want to be on that. I want to be a part of that. And so there's a good quote that says, make your vision so big that other people want to fit theirs inside of it. And so I think that I've kind of shifted. And, and that's one of the things that I've really done is I want to create this culture and working environment where like, look, this is where we're going. Don't even worry about today. Don't worry about that. If we make money today, like this is what it's going to look like in a year and three years and five years. And then what do we have to do right now to get there? And I'll figure out the money part of it. Like that's, so just taking it away from the now to kind of looking out there and building the team and the building the team that takes to get there. So how has that changed? How have those plans or those visions changed with you over time as you've continued to grow, as the markets continue to change? I think I would not be surprised if you're plans or vision shifted in some direction or even accelerated and started happening faster than you really thought. I mean, that happened in the first place with leaving W2 vet surgery. Has that happened now that you're more focused on real estate? Yeah. And I think that's, so one of the big shifts that's happened really for me over the last even couple months is the idea or the shift in my thinking that I don't have to keep I don't have to keep my veterinary self and my real estate self separate, which sounds like kind of, but, but people, one of the things like you learn early on, and it's like in the books and the podcasts and mentorships and stuff is like, you need to identify as a real estate investor. 
right? To get people to take you seriously. And I think that's probably true when it comes to you're starting to reach out to brokers and things like that, if you want to be on that side and maybe other real estate investors. But I don't know that it's necessarily true in the world of attracting investors. I think people are looking for maybe your own personal story. And so this whole, like all that happened with losing that deal, building up my surgery business, kind of like all of those lessons wrapped into one really led me down the path that we're on right now is to form the fund. And the fund has a, a unique structure, at least that I know of. I can't, I, I have, I'm having to have a custom underwriting model built because I can't find someone that already has one, but basically it's going to have, it's going to have multifamily real estate in it. And that's going to be the bulk, but we're also going to have small businesses within the real, within the fund. And the reason is because when the real estate isn't performing the way that you want it to, what kept us afloat with cash flow is business. And so I started really looking at how to combine those two. And I looked at it really first for us, right? My own, my family, our personal portfolio is like, okay, we can grow our surgery business. But even if I was to do surgery full-time, like at some point I can't, there is not more time for me to do surgery. So what could we add? What could we invest in? And I started just looking at, and I didn't make up this idea. Like there are plenty of people out there on online and social media and programs that are talking about buying businesses like that are high cash flowing businesses. And so I decided we were going to do that for ourselves. And then I started to think, well, why not do that for our investors? And I spoke with one of my mentors and, and she sort of encouraged me to do a fund, not necessarily within the, with the idea of having both within the fund, but she was saying, do a fund because it's going to prepare you for what's coming essentially that you know, sort of the opportunities that may become available. But I just, I thought more and more about it. And I thought I had spent way too much time keeping the two worlds separate because I never felt, I always wanted to help my veterinary community. And I never, and I thought I'll do that by getting them to invest. And I still want to do that, but it felt like I was keeping them too separate to make that really effective. And so in addition to the fund, having these two different components, we'll be donating 25% of the fund profits to a charity called Not One More Vet, which is a organization that is built to support the fact that veterinarians have the highest suicide rate of amongst almost all professions. Like female veterinarians are three and a half times more likely to commit suicide than the general population. So the idea that I could sort of bring it all together and I can help vets if they want to invest in the fund, but I also can help vets on the back end by sort of contributing to not one more vet. It made it meaningful and it made it worth doing. So, so yeah, I think that's, I get, I think that's a long winded answer to your question, but that's what has shifted for me with these experiences and sort of moving into the future. Interesting. Okay. So a unique spin and adding a bit of your, bit more of your why and, and motivation to your business structure. Pretty cool. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. 
Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Jason, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I I would say, I mean, honestly, probably the very first house I bought, right? When I I was 25, I had no money. It was 2000. And so this was before, before the crash. And so it was, they were good. If anybody alone, I had no business getting a loan. I think I got like a 97% leverage or something like that. I mean, it was any of the house was $99,000, but it needed to be fixed. So that was an investment in both financially that house ended up like two and a half times in terms of value by the time I sold it. And it taught me a whole lot. And like I said, I don't necessarily, it's probably not good for me to use those DIY skills anymore, but it taught me a ton that got me to be able to kind of build up the real estate portfolio along the way. Nice. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? I mean, I guess you could point to losing that money on the deal, but I don't know that was, I I still think there was some value to that in terms of learning lessons. This is, this one's a harder question because I really like to look at everything as a, even if you lose money or whatever, it's a, a learning lesson. Probably the worst investment is the time I didn't use. So in, I don't know that you call that investment, but essentially like the fact that as I was going, the lack of knowledge, I guess I'll say in, in terms of financial freedom, because I finished, I became a surgeon in, in 2008. So the crash happened right that like, literally I came out, got my first job out of my residency and, and the real estate crashed, business slowed way down. It, it was a little bit of a scary time. However, like year, two years after that, I was making really good money. Had I known about multifamily syndication, even at a passive level, I would already be retired. I, I would have no, <laughs> I, I would already be done in terms of needing to work. I'd still be working, but I think the the worst investment is just lack of education. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Work with people you want to work with. I think the hardest thing that you can run into is a bad relationship of some sort, whether that's a partnership or or a bad relationship with vendors or brokers, whatever it is. Don't just work with people because you think like they've got something you don't have or so you, you really want to make sure that it's it's someone you want to work with and you share share values and and um commonality, common interests with because it's like it's like a marriage and it's actually probably harder to get out of than a marriage in reality, some business partnerships. So, so just bearing, just bear that in mind, I think, because a lot of people, it, when they're starting out, they just want to do a deal and they're like, how do I do that? I do, I just got to find someone. And I think you can, could get yourself in a potentially a, a difficult situation. Nice. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us today, sharing all these lessons and being so vulnerable about that poor, bad experience that you had in there. If folks want to reach out, if they want to learn more about what you're up to, if they want to find your podcast, anything like that, where can they track you down? The best thing is email jason at larkcapital.com. Probably as far as social media, you at Lark Capital on Instagram or Jason Ballara on LinkedIn. 
And then my podcast is called the Know Your Why podcast. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you're joining us on YouTube, thanks for hanging out this long. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button to give us a little bit of feedback here and catch us on the next one. And if you're a podcast person, don't forget to subscribe as well. Catch us every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.